Chapter Sixteen of Grace Harlowe's Fourth Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen. Alfreda shows Grace the way. Mabel's dance was an occasion long to be discussed and remembered, and the remaining two days of the girls' Thanksgiving vacation were so crowded with the amusement she had planned for them that the moments flitted by on wings. Their visit to the offices of the great newspaper, on whose staff both Mabel Ashe and Kathleen West were enrolled, was a red-letter event. They had penetrated even to the fastness of the local room and art department, and were duly impressed with all they saw. In the local room they had caught a brief glimpse of Kathleen West. She was seated at a desk at the lower end of the long room, writing industriously. So intent was she upon her work, that either by accident or design she failed to see the little group of sightseers, who stood watching the rows of clicking typewriters, operated by the reporters of their various departments, who were preparing copy for the composing room. At the moment Grace had spied the newspaper girl hard at work, a wave of admiration had swept over her for this strange young woman, who had treated her so badly. In spite of Kathleen's lack of principle, she had the will to work, and she had already achieved much in her chosen field. If only she had been like Ruth, then the memory of Grace's own grievance drove away the kinder thoughts. As they were on the point of leaving the local room, their eyes had chanced to meet, and Grace's flashed with an unmistakable contempt that caused Kathleen to colour and turn her head. On Sunday morning the dreaded goodbyes were said, and Mr. Ashe and Mabel saw their guests safely aboard the train for Overton. It was late Sunday afternoon, when, tired and luggage-laden, the five girls climbed into the automobile bus at the Overton station, and were straightway conveyed to Wayne Hall. Kathleen West had not returned on the same train with them, nor did she appear until late the following afternoon. That she might be reprimanded for overstaying her vacation either did not occur to her, or else the possibility held no terror for her. The instant the door of Wayne Hall closed behind her, Grace darted to the house bulletin board. In it was a letter for Anne, one for Elfreda, and two for herself. She choked back a sob as she saw that one of the envelopes bore her father's handwriting. The other, that of Arling Thayer. Don't wait for me, Grace. Go on upstairs and read your letters. I must see Mrs. Elwood about that package I expected by express. Setting down her suitcase, Anne hurried down the hall. Always thoughtful for others, she now determined that Grace should be alone when she opened her father's letter. With a grateful glance after Anne's retreating figure and the see you later to Miriam, Elfreda and Patience, who had stopped at the living room door to talk with Laura Atkins and Mildred Taylor, Grace went to her room. With trembling fingers she tore open the envelope, glancing through the first page of the letter. Then, with a little choking cry of relief, she sank into a chair and began to cry softly. It was at least fifteen minutes before Anne appeared in the room, and during that time Grace had wiped away her tears and calmed herself to the point of finishing her father's letter. She looked up smilingly as Anne entered, although her eyes were red. "'It's all right, Anne. Father is a most forgiving man. Just listen to what he says. "'My dear Grace, there is no use in scolding you. I know that your intentions were good, above reproach, no doubt, but how many times have I cautioned you to go slowly? 
I received your letter, but deciding you deserved a certain amount of punishment for your rashness, purposely delayed answering you. Your fame has travelled the length and breadth of Oakdale, however, as I am not the only man in town who reads the New York papers. In the light of your early police court career, I might say that this last bit of sleuthing merely adds to your reputation in Oakdale as an apostle of justice. I forgive you, of course, and do not blame you very severely. You are rather shabbily dealt with, but you still must consider that if you had kept your promise to me this annoying episode would never have taken place. Considering your legitimate claim to senior dignity, I am not going to elect you any further. I'm sure you will be more careful another time. We missed our little girl more than I can say on Thanksgiving Day. Your mother and I, who you will remember, were elected honorary members of the Phi Sigma Tau the summer we went to Europe with that illustrious organization, carried out the best of our ability your old plan of making someone else happy on Thanksgiving Day. With the help of Miss Thompson, who is a frequent visitor at our house, we managed to find several high school girls who needed cheering up. We invited them to Thanksgiving dinner and had a little dance in the evening. Your mother will write in a day or two and give you full particulars. I hope you enjoyed your trip to New York. I feel rather guilty now because I didn't answer your letter at once. We'll have one of our good old talks when you come home for the Christmas holidays. Then you may scold me if you think I deserve it. Your mother and I are well and are looking forward to your coming home next month. So is half the town, for that matter. Your friends never forget to ask for you, and every day brings its... Is Grace coming home for the holidays? God bless you, my dear child, and bring you safe home to us for Christmas. That is a gift we most desire. With our dearest love, Father. Grace's eyes were misty as she looked up from her letter. Isn't he just too splendid for words, Anne? Anne nodded. Then, slipping her arm about Grace's neck, she leaned over and kissed her friend's cheek. I'm so glad everything is all right. You knew better than anyone else how dreadful it was for me, returned Grace, looking up affectionately at her friend. We all know, answered Anne. I think Elfreda took it even more deeply to heart than we did. She is the soul of loyalty, and resents an injury to one of us as much as though it were her own grievance. In one way it seems a long time since J. Elfreda Briggs established herself in my seat on the train. Yet in another it seems but yesterday, mused Grace. Can you realize, Anne, that we are almost at the end of our college days? I never allow myself to think of it, confessed Anne. I've been so happy at Overton I'd like to stay here forever. Give up the stage and apply for a place on the faculty, suggested Anne with apparent earnestness. You rascal! You know I couldn't do that even for the sake of being at Overton. I'm wedded to my art, proclaimed Anne dramatically. Some day you will obtain a divorce from your art and marry a mere man, though, predicted Grace. The colour suffused Anne's white face. Her brown eyes grew troubled. I don't know whether I shall or not, she murmured. Anne, would you leave the stage? Give up your work if— if Grace paused, if David asked me to marry him, Anne finished the question calmly. I don't know, Grace. I've asked myself that question so many times that I'm tired of trying to answer it. In fact, I've lately decided to let matters drift and see what happens. 
although there has never been a word of sentiment exchanged between us. I am reasonably sure that David loves me, and I am very fond of him, confessed Anne. In some respects I feel older than you girls. I believe it is due to my stage experience. I played so many different parts, some of them emotional roles which have to do with love and renunciation. Anne's musical voice trembled slightly on the last word. I'm sure David loves you with all his heart, was Grace's honest reply. Now that he has been graduated from college and has gone into business for himself, I'm afraid you'll be called upon to decide before long. I'm afraid so, sighed Anne. I wish life weren't quite so complicated. I hope the rest of our senior year will be free from complications, Grace spoke with grim emphasis. Why, I forgot to open this letter, she exclaimed, snatching the unopened letter from the table and tearing at the end of it. The letter proved to be a penitent little note from Arline, asking Grace to forgive her and prove her forgiveness by taking dinner with her the following evening at Vinton's. Grace felt a thrill of happiness swell within her as she read the note. Her brief estrangement from Arline had been another of her secret griefs. "'I'm going to take dinner with Arline tomorrow night,' she announced to Anne. "'You'd better hurry if you care to take dinner with us,' called Elfreda from the doorway, in which she had paused just in time to hear Grace's last remark. "'It isn't dinner,' corrected Anne. "'It is supper on Sunday, and never very good either.' "'We never have Sunday dinner in the middle of the day at home,' commented Elfreda. "'When you are at Wayne Hall, do as the Wayne Hallites do,' quoted Miriam, who had followed Elfreda into the room. "'Where is Patience?' inquired Grace. "'Enjoying the solitude of her room before the disturber arrives,' volunteered Elfreda. Despite the fact that they had had dinner on the train, the four girls decided that they were hungry, and on going downstairs to the dining room where Mrs. Elwood had prepared an unusually good supper, proved it to their own and Mrs. Elwood's satisfaction. There were only three girls in the dining room when they took their places, as the majority of the Wayne Hallites were spending the afternoon and evening of their last day's vacation with friends. Patience joined them as they were finishing their dessert, and it was laughingly decided to entertain her while she ate and afterward go for a walk. "'What style of entertainment do you prefer?' asked Elfreda, with a deferential air. "'Shall I give you an imitation of Kathleen West's return?' "'No, thank you. The reality will be sufficient,' was Patience's dry retort. "'I prefer a more pleasant variety of entertainment.' The ringing of the doorbell caused those in the dining room to glance expectantly through the doorway into the hall. They heard the maid's voice, then a cry of, At last! and Emma Dean fairly charged into their midst. I never was so glad to see anyone in all my life, she cried with a joyful wave of her hand. How I have missed you while you have been gallivanting about New York without giving a friend of your freshman days a thought. You might have sent me a postcard, you know. "'Gallivanting is not the word with which to describe our triumphal march around New York,' objected Elfreda. "'It's a very good word,' defended Emma. "'It means to roam about for pleasure without any definite plan. It says so in the dictionary.' "'Every day as to our store of knowledge,' jeered Elfreda. "'As I am at present overjoyed to see you, I'll try hard not to squabble with you.' Emma turned her back squarely upon Elfreda and addressed Anne. 
I heard something while you were gone that will interest you, Anne. The senior class are talking of presenting a play. If we do, you will star in it, of course. I can't, Emma, returned Anne regretfully. My professional experience prevents me from taking part in college plays. If Semper Fidelis or some of the guards were to put on a play for our own amusement, then I could take part. But in regular college plays, professionals are barred here at Overton. It is practically the same rule that applies to college sports. Oh, that's too bad. But it wouldn't hinder you from writing one, would it? I couldn't write a play. I used to hope that I might some day become a writer, but I know now that it isn't in me. But many actors and actresses have been writers too, put in Elfrida. I know it. Still, the most successful plays have been written by men and women outside the profession, argued Anne. I wish I could write, but I know my limitations and they stop this side of authorship. But why did you ask me if I could write a play, Emma? Marion Cummings gave a spread the other night to all the seniors on the campus who weren't lucky enough to get away from Overton for Thanksgiving. We were talking about what the senior class might do in the way of stunts, and someone proposed that we ought to give a play after mid-years. You know our class has never done anything of the sort since we entered college. Naturally, we were all in favour of the idea. We all agreed that we wanted something besides Shakespeare for a change, but no one could suggest anything else. We wanted something really representative, and the majority of these plays for amateurs are rather trivial. Finally, Sarah Emerson suggested that the play be written by a member of the senior class. There's a general protest, and Elizabeth Wade asked Sarah if she would mind writing it. Rather unkind in her, wasn't it? asked Emma with a reminiscent chuckle. Her friends laughed with her. The mere idea of frivolous little Sarah Emerson as a playwright was distinctly amusing. Sarah didn't mind our laughing. She and Julia giggled over it, too. Then Marion Cummings suggested the thought of a splendid plan. Emma paused in order to impress her hearers. "'For goodness sake, go on, Emma,' begged Miriam. "'Don't ask us to guess the plan, either.' "'I'm not going to ask you to guess it. I stopped talking merely to allow my words to sink deeply into your minds. Marion wants to make it an honour competition affair.' "'What's an honour competition affair?' asked Elfrida. "'I'm surprised at your question. "'I should think you could see the meaning from the words themselves,' teased Emma. "'You see almost everything.' "'I'll be revenged on you for that thrust,' threatened Elfrida, "'joining in the laughter that greeted Emma's remarks. "'Do you mean that any member of the senior class may compete, "'not for a money prize, but for the honour alone?' asked Grace." That is precisely my meaning, said Emma. We thought we would have an honour pin made, something worthy of the girl who wins. The class will give her a supper and drink her down, and there will be various demonstrations and jollifications for her especial benefit. Why not give the four classes a chance and make it a competition worth remembering, proposed Elfrida, a peculiar expression in her shrewd eyes. I mean that the cast would be chosen from the senior class, but the author might be any girl in college. No one answered for a moment. I don't believe, began Emma doubtfully, that we... What do you say, Grace? Of course we shall be obliged to call a special class meeting, but we can decide now just how to word our proposal. Whatever you decide will suit us. 
Grace's glance had remained fixed upon Elfreda, as though trying to read her thoughts. What did Elfreda have in mind? Then it dawned upon Grace with unpleasant force. She wants Kathleen West to have a chance to compete. Then, if I say I think we ought to keep the contest in the senior class, the girls will agree with me. This is my chance. She would dearly love to enter a contest of this kind. Very well. I'll see that she doesn't enter it. For the first time in her life, Grace's resentment blinded her sense of fairness. Her lips tightened unpleasantly. I say that we ought to... But Grace did not finish her sentence. Swift and overwhelming came the conviction that here perhaps lay the means by which Kathleen might come into a knowledge of the real Overton spirit. In writing a play, for Grace felt certain that the newspaper girl would enter the lists, she might gain what her classmates had been powerless to give her. Grace's face grew hot with shame at her own unworthiness of spirit. "'Why don't you finish?' asked Emma Dean with a good-natured impatience. "'What ought we to do? We shall never know unless you speak and tell us.' The steady light in Grace Harlowe's grey eyes deepened. Her moment of temptation had passed. Her love of fair play had conquered. Include the whole college by all means. Let us make it an Overton rather than a class affair, and let us call a meeting in the senior class tomorrow afternoon, she said. Let us settle it as soon as possible. I'll write a notice the moment I finish my supper, declared Emma. Come upstairs to my room, all of you, and watch me write it. I can always write better if I have an audience. Provided it is a kindly, uncritical audience, she added, casting a significant glance toward Elfreda, who beamed on Emma as one who has received a compliment. As they were leaving the dining room a little later, Grace felt a plump hand catch one of hers. She turned to find Elfreda's gaze bent earnestly upon her. There was a significant question in the other girl's eyes. Grace pressed the hand and said in a whisper, I understood, Elfreda. Thank you for showing me the way. End of chapter 16